Your next promotion is just the beginning, and this podcast shows you how to get there. Welcome to episode number 180. Today's episode has been a couple of years in the making. I have literally been following Christy Rutherford on LinkedIn for several years. Every time she comes out with a new video, I am like... Oh my God, that is so true. That's exactly what I've been saying. And apparently she does the same for me. So finally we got in touch. We decided that she needed to be on my podcast right away. And this episode delivers. Christy is an executive coach for high achieving women helping get, gosh, millions of dollars in promotions. She has excellent statistics. She's literally changing the face of the leadership table. And it was just such an honor to have her on this episode and to really dig into her own personal career journey. And what are some of the tips that she gives the women that she works with? And what were some of the lessons that she had to learn the hard way as she rose the ranks of corporate leadership? All right, let's get started. Welcome to Women Changing Leadership. I am your host, Stacey Mayer, and I teach you how to get promoted, get paid, and bring your whole self to the leadership table. I am on a mission to change organizations from the C-suite out because women are the new face of leadership, and we are doing it on our terms. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Women Changing Leadership. I'm your host, Stacey Mayer, and super excited, as always, to be here with you again this week. So today I have a very special guest with me who I feel like I know quite well, but I really have only met her just about five minutes ago. And the reason why I am starting out this conversation with is because it's the power of video. So um, the woman I'm interviewing today is all over the place on video. And this kind of happened to me when I doubled down last year on putting video on social media. People were like, I know you, you're everywhere. You're in my living room. And if you all are looking to figure out a way to build trust with people without a lot of effort, put yourself on video because I feel like not only do I feel like I know this woman, I feel like I like this woman. I feel like I get this woman. I feel like I want to have this woman on my podcast. I could not wait to have her on my podcast. And so when you think about your own thought leadership, what you stand for, just like keep that in mind, keep that in mind, just talk, right? So definitely before I even get in, recommend following her on LinkedIn. Her name is Christy Rutherford. I'm going to tell you here in a minute more about Christy, but um, yeah, follow her. You are going to get, I think she, I don't know. She'll tell us if she would use the word schooled, but I feel like I get schooled watching her and she's pretty awesome. All right. So here's my formal introduction. And then we're just going to go into our conversation. A globally recognized leader, Christy Rutherford is an executive leadership coach that assists women with being promoted through office politics and self-care. Her clients have received over $12 million in salary raises since 2020. An author, Christy published five number one best-selling books on Amazon in eight months. Christy is a Harvard Business School alumna and certified executive leadership coach from Georgetown University. She was recently featured in Black Enterprise and in Forbes three times. <laughs> Welcome, Christy. I'm so excited. 
I'm excited too. And I feel like I know you too, Stacey, because I see your video and your content all the time on LinkedIn. So I'm like this. Yes. Isn't yes. it fun? It's right. Funny. Yeah. So yeah, good. we're the promotion queens, right? <laughs> you know, I actually, I, I just wanted to start there with this idea of getting promoted. So I, I think about, I talk about, there is very specific reasons why I, as soon as I started my coaching business, I focused on promotions and raises and credibility mm-hmm. first and foremost, rest recognition for the women I work with. Just tell us why why that focus for you. Actually, when I first started my business, my goal was just to assist women with not burning out and and to heal from whatever they were going through and toxic work environments, because that's what I had. That's what I had experienced. Right. Like if you're a woman in the workplace, you are catching H-E-L-L. It is what it is. And so a byproduct of them forgiving other people and cleaning up some of their things. And then we're f- discovering that the same people that they're fighting at work, it could have been some challenges from their childhood when they were siblings, or if they were bullied at school, then it's you're being bullied at work. So it's the exact same thing. And once they started to let some of that stuff go, the money came. So a part of just being a coach and in business, I had to learn that I had to market what people wanted, but give them what they needed. So we talk about money, but we've stopped 20 women from dying and having nervous breakdowns. We've oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, we've gotten, you know, healed medical conditions of 25, 30 women. We've saved 25 marriages, right? So it's mm-hmm. one thing to talk about the money, but on the back end, the money is the byproduct of them getting happy and healthy and whole and, and returning to themselves so they can be present with themselves and their kids and their spouses. The money is the byproduct of that. So we don't celebrate the money as much, but that's what people think. And that's what they think they want. But we give them what they need. You know what? This is so fascinating. We're already off to a great start because while we're kindred spirits, I have the exact same philosophy and I approached it from a different, like an outside in approach. So I was working in women's leadership and they were all about feeling better, overcoming trauma, taking bigger risks, like all this Mm -hmm. great important stuff, but you know, we're spending a lot of energy and time overcoming imposter syndrome. And none of these women had the recognition, the titles, they didn't have actual influence at their organization. So they're trying to work on their imposter syndrome, but dealing with like some jerk boss who's coming down on them because they have no real authority. And so I just did it as a little bit of a game. I was like, you know what, let's see if the titles, if we switch your title, if your imposter syndrome goes away, (laughs) <laughs> you know, I was like, let's see if we get you in the position that matches your influence that you're actually having. Let's see if you make an additional 20K if you start to feel better about yourself and your job and your prospects. So it's all the same thing. We're all getting to the same place at the end of the day, but it's just such a I, I just love that approach, like what you're talking about, right? It's like we pull them in with the with the money and the promotions, but then really what we're giving is is life changing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, the imposter syndrome is such an arbitrary word that people are playing on. It's the word that's made up, which is insane to me, but it's like, what are the results? If you just get a woman to slow down long enough to look in the mirror and realize how great she is, she's going to get the money. That's, that's the work. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Amazing. Oh my God. So Christy, you were in the military, right? I didn't say much about your background in the uh, bio, but I'd love to hear more about your actual leadership journey as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, I spent 16 and a half years in the U.S. Coast Guard. I uh, spent the first two years chasing drug runners in the Caribbean. Then I moved to uh, Virginia where we worked. I was like the maritime 911. So if any accidents or whatever happened in the ocean, they would call me. I would dispatch people. 
Then I moved to Houston to implement the laws that were written after September 11th, the security laws on like all large oil companies and then uh, responded to Hurricane Katrina two days after the storm was there. 14 days straight were 20 hour days. I was delirious. The men took all the credit for my work. They did not remember uh-huh. my name when I left. It's okay. And then I uh, worked on Capitol Hill for Elijah Cummings. And then my last job, uh, I managed all of it. And then I burned out. And then I resigned with three and a half years left to retire with a full pension. I would have retired in 2016, but I didn't finish the race because I was doing too much. I was working too much. I was mentoring too much. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't taking care of my physical health. I wasn't taking care of my mental health. So I finally earned my seat at the table. And so a lot of times women talk about, but you, we only talk about getting your seat at the table. <laughs> yeah. tells you what's going to happen when you get your seat. So we, we arrive, Stacey, to the table mm-hmm. for now and we collapse thinking that's the finish line. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Get up. That's just mile marker one <laughs> in a marathon, right? You're like, wait, no, it's, it's not over. You got to get up. So now you have to defend that seat every day. And so I was unprepared to be the only woman in the room, the only, mm-hmm. you know, black person in the room and a black woman in the room where I sat across from every serial killer known to man, you know, Freddy Krueger was at the head of the table. And then Jason was across looking from me, you know, uh, Chucky doll was sitting right beside me. So I wasn't prepared. I would say mentally and physically because I neglected myself for 15 years to be able to now manage the new battle of defending that seat every day. Yeah. And that's why it can't just be about the promotion. And I think that that's, you know, that's what our conversation has been about so far is just Mm -hmm. like everything that comes along with it. And, you know, I'm like, we got laws out here in California to get more women on boards, like to what end? Right. And I think it's important. The numbers are important, but if we're not bringing that woman and that woman's voice, and I love what you said about looking in the mirror and then the money will come the same thing. If you don't take the time to look in the mirror before you get that seat. Now you're just hustling. You're just defending. It's awful. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you have your moment, right? What changed? When did you say enough? (laughs) Um, so I was being harassed by, uh, one of the most toxic people, psychopath. And so they were like, well, Christy started a civil rights complaint. I'm like, no, he's an equal, equal opportunity harasser. He will harass a junior white man at the same level he, he will harass the senior black woman. It's not civil rights. It's not a civil rights case. He's toxic. And so, you know, I was just talking to somebody earlier. It's like, I wrote down in 2009, Stacey, this life that I wanted to live. And I was like, when I retire, I want my office to be outside. I want to be a coach. I want to be a greater blessing to other people. I want to be stress-free and I want to be happy and I want to frolic down the beach and I want to do this. And I, and I wanted this, you know, this magical, happy life, but it came after I retired. So I wrote it. I would speak it when I'm at my desk on Friday night at 11 o'clock at night, you know, and the senator is now calling me because I'm enforcing the, you know, maritime federal law. And then I would also visualize this person. So what I had to learn, but this is after. So I would say this is years after a reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the universe gave me what I asked for, but it came through devastation and trauma. And so I had this psychopath that was harassing me. And I knew I got to a point where I started to have panic attacks. You know, I was having panic attacks and my arthritis that was stress induced that I put into remission uh, 12 years before came back. And I'm having flu-like symptoms every uh, for four days, every two weeks. So I'm physically, I'm dying, and I'm and mentally, I am dust because 
I'm missing meetings. Like I'm Chrissy Rutherford. I'm the 13th black woman to make commander in the Coast Guard's 230 year history. Right. So and I can't tell anybody that I'm suffering and 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 I can't slow down because I'm still proving people wrong. And I have the hard job, not the easy job. I have the hard job and I got 90 people calling me. So I created this um, cycle of being overworking and not taking care of myself and then eating poorly and not taking care of my mental health and then not working out. So I created this cycle, this toxic cycle that I couldn't get out of, but I could bring my mentees out of it, but I wasn't taking my own advice. So he was like that, the, the, the straw, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. That, that goes into the forest fire that, that had been on fire for 15 years. Like it was, yeah. it was a whole massive fire. He was that last piece. And so the, the story will go depending on is two is two parallel stories that are going on. Destiny is calling and the senior leadership let me down and all these things. And so I ended up just resigning. And one day we got into an argument in the office and he was, he harassed me and he thought that I was just going to take it because I'm, I'm three and a half years left to retire. Like nobody leaves. So he's thinking that I'm just on a leash and I was just going to allow him to harass me and no, and everybody was going to let him. So I quit (laughs) or I was going to die. So everybody's like, Chrissy, you only had a year left at that office. And I'm like, I knew that my body physically, I, I am grateful on the other side of it to, to not have had a stroke or a heart attack because some women are dying at their desk. They are you know, having heart attacks and, and, and having strokes at work. Right. Like, so I'm grateful that that didn't happen to me, but I would have died within a year. I didn't have that three and a half years left. So. Yeah. And look at, you know, when you follow destiny is calling and you followed that path. And, you know, I was really listening when you talked about either the story of senior leadership, let me down or destiny is calling. I feel like the person who stays is the senior leadership, let me down because I'm going to stay here and I'm going to prove to them and I'm going to fight this. And, you know, yeah. and just like all this other like problems that we bring ourselves yeah. versus the destiny is calling. You know what? I wasn't meant to die at my desk today, so yeah. I'm not going to. And I think a part of it is. You know, we're, we're, you, you can't be overworked and underpaid for so long without the, you know, I I always say when people get fired, I'm like, God fired you. (laughs) Like not allowing yourself to, 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 to leave and be angry that they're running you out of a job that you didn't like anyway. (laughs) It's different in the military because we're stuck, right? Like in corporate jobs, why are you still there? If you remember how great you are. If you understand how amazing you are, if you're able to clearly articulate what you bring to the table, there are organizations that will hire you and they will pay you more and they will treat you better. But you're holding on to, you know, a fire hose wondering why you're getting burned and incinerated. It's like, Lee, drop it and run for your life. Yes. Yes. So when I left, I was so crazy and broken. Uh, and so ashamed because I'm the first person in my family, one of the first people in my family graduated from college. So I'm the one and I'm the one, the first one to make six figures and all these things. And I'm Christy Rutherford. Like I'm this high achieving. And a lot of people knew me in the organization because I'm Christy Rutherford. And so there was a lot of shame when I left because I didn't understand at the time that I, I was meant to be on a different path. So I, I actually work with a network marketing company because the network marketing, you're going to be rich in two months. Like I'll be telling people, you <laughs> better not. 
you better not leave your job. Don't leave this good job of entrepreneurship because, and it's funny, <laughs> Stacey, I, you know, I see all these women be like, oh, I want to go, you know, I want to quit my job. I'm working too much because to be in entrepreneurship so I can work less. I'm like, who told you that <laughs> to do it all over again? I'm who I needed 10 years ago to, to mm-hmm. say, you know, yeah. your job is not the problem. Your boss is the problem. You're the problem. What? Right. Like if you just stop long enough to learn what real self-care is and not this, whatever they're talking about, um, I wouldn't have left. So, Wait, left so you house. said your job is not the problem. Your boss is the problem to you're the problem. That's a, that's your the journey. Not you the take. Problem. You're the problem. Like, yeah, you're the problem. yeah. Our, yeah. our habits of proving people wrong. Right. Is the problem. Our habit of working 80 hours a week is the problem. Our habit of mentoring people because we didn't have mentors and now we're mentoring so many people. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. How we show up at work is the problem. The job is not the problem. 70% Mm -hmm. of my clients don't leave their jobs. So yeah, I left and I I, I worked with a network marketing company and I failed. And then I was selling personality tests and then I failed. And then I was, I was doing all kinds of stuff because I didn't, because I left in desperation Mm -hmm. and nothing good comes out of desperation. I think there's a way to be able to transition out of a job, but I left desperate and not knowing who I was and being ashamed of allowing them to run me out of my good job. So it was a whole hot ASS mess, Stacey. That's pretty much what happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then in 2020, you wrote five books, right? Is that Uh, right? In 2016, 2016, you wrote five books in one year. Yep, in eight months. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. So Was that part of the transition? I don't know. It sounds, it, it sounds so, awesome, but yeah, I left. And then, uh, when I, so I, I, I ran this business fail for a year and a half. So I blew through all my money, my stocks, my gold. Like I had nothing, my Roth IRA, I cashed in all my chips and then I didn't have any money. And so, um, Again, destiny was calling because now it's is like I had been offered at that point about 20 jobs. So when I left in the first three years, I was offered about 30, 36 jobs, 36 figure jobs, right? Or multiple six figure jobs. But I knew I was mentally, I could not work. Mentally, I could not have somebody tell me what to do because I never stopped long enough to work on my mental health because I was chasing the money now that I was trying to replace my income. And so I ended up moving in with my brother. And, and I thought it was going to be for two months, but it ended up being three and a half years because once I stopped long enough, Stacey, and I looked in the mirror and, and saw how broken I really was, Napoleon Hill has a quote. He said, if I had the courage to look in the mirror and see myself as I truly am, then I will find out what is wrong with me and fix it as opposed to building alibis to cover my misfortunes. Mm-hmm. So when I stopped long enough to look in the mirror and tell the truth, then I exploded in a thousand pieces. And that took total three and a half years for the first year. I just, I was on the couch. I could not coherently put a sentence together because once you burn out, I, I think that a lot of people are talking about burnout. I'm like, y'all are just tired. Burnout is catastrophic. Burnout is when, and you see how I talk, right? I talk all the time. Mm-hmm. I got in trouble all the time for talking when I was in school and, and I could not coherently create a sentence for a year. It was awful. And then, so the, the third year, the three and a half year, basically to, to write all those books is once I started to implement the stuff that I studied to become whole again, now it's time to teach. And I was just trying to prove people wrong at that point. So that's pretty much what that was. <laughs> I love um, it. I yeah. love this behind the scenes expose of Christy Rutherford. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, so, so good. All right. So you work with women. I assume that, you know, well, I mean, I guess some of them could go through the three years, you know, transformation, but you're able to do some of that 
in a smaller amount of time. So let's talk a little bit about your process, because I think that's what once people get to that place where they realize they're the problem, then that just becomes another decade and another decade of issues. So how do you get them through that? So most, so most of the women that I work with are high achieving, higher, higher achieving women who are going to do the work anyway. So if yep. I, I don't, I don't necessarily cater to women who don't have certain levels of success because I, I can't motivate you. I, I like to work with the women who are just like me. Right. Yep. And so uh, the, the first three weeks we spend is looking in the mirror. And it's, so it's a layered process of getting you to see where you are and really admit to yourself what you're doing. So it's not our idea. It's once a woman sees she be like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm living like this. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a layered process of starting, you know, how to say no. We have to teach how to say no. That is a whole module. Um, you know, getting clear on what you're carrying around, getting clear on you know what you really want to do and, and what you like to do before life told you or your parents told you what what you couldn't do or how that didn't make any money. So I have clients who um, actually two of them who got fired and one of them super successful intellectual property attorney. She's actually a poet, but she's a prolific poet who forgot she was a poet because her parents said poetry doesn't make you any money. She, she has educated parents. You better go to law school. So she went to law school. So now she's high function in depression as this super successful lawyer is because the poet had been buried and smashed 25 years before one lady got a PhD in mechanical engineer, but she's actually an artist. So it's like, once we figure out what, where did you leave you now it's like, okay, well, you're a poet who's actually a lawyer, not a lawyer who forgot that she was a poet. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, so now mm-hmm, we're just going to mm-hmm. merge the two. And that typically happens in the first five weeks. And after that we activate, the the law of attraction to now bring in all the money that you left on the table. So it's a whole thing. It's a whole mm-hmm. thing. But you already are, Stacy. We already are the the high achieving women. We already are. We've doubled, mm-hmm. we've right. doubled our 20 women's salaries. We've tripled 10. We've gotten five women as of last week, seven figure packages. They're already worth that. They're overworking and exhaustion mm-hmm. doesn't allow you to see how great you are. Once, once a woman can see, that's the whole imposter syndrome thing. It's like mm-hmm. they're teaching the wrong thing. The imposter is the woman who doesn't think that she's good enough. That's a lie because you're actually greater than how you're showing up. Once a woman can see how great she is and remember who she is, we just back up out of the way. That's where the confidence comes in. That's where the self-reliance comes in. That's where the self-awareness comes in. That's where the imposter syndrome, like, I can ask my clients, I interview my clients all the time about the imposter syndrome. They say it doesn't even exist because once you remember who you are, the problem is we forgot how great we are. We can't see it. Um, but right. Once you remember, uh, I back up and then then it's game over. Then we watch right. to see what happens. Yeah, I was thinking that when you were talking about my story, when I first had like woke up and realized is I I was attending a Buddhist meditation center and the instructor, um, I was like pacing and angry. I was mostly just angry because I felt like they weren't teaching us properly. And why are they, why are we just breathing and all this crap? And I was like, I paid $200 for this. Like what's going on? And the instructor just looked at me and he's like, wow, you're acting like my teenage daughter. And I was like 35 years old. And I was like, 
you're right. Right. Yeah. That was the moment I realized I'm the problem. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah. And then we can just start working to kind of pull out all the stuff and just get out of our way and figure out what we're going to do forward. And it, but you talked about how 70% of the women actually stay in their company. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious about that because once you realize that you're a poet acting as a lawyer, like, mm-hmm. wouldn't that just make you want to leave and be a poet? Well, no, it's they they stay in their job. So now you just incorporate the two. So uh-huh. so one of my clients want to leave her job. It's a huge organization. I was like, man, you better not quit that job. She was like, they're making me miserable. I'm like, no, you miserable. You go to work miserable. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. sure go miserable. So once we got her cleaned up and then she moved to Miami and she wanted to do all these things. Um, uh, it was about a year later because the the we just worked through some stuff. She got three job offers and she told her the job, I have a job offer. They said, well, what do we need to do to keep you? She said, well, I want you to do my salary. They said, okay. She says, well, I don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. I want to write my own job description. They said, okay. She was like, well, I don't want to move back to Detroit. I want to be hundred percent remote. They said, okay. <laughs> so yep, that's how it works. Companies yep. don't want to lose women or, mm-hmm. or even one of my clients last year, mm-hmm. she got a $50,000 raise in 90 days. All we had her do was hang up her awards on the wall to see how great she was. She didn't have, she got a PhD. She got all these degrees and all these awards and these lifetime achievement awards. She never hung them up. So she never took credit for who she was. So right. once a woman can understand who she is, then the other people see, people see who you see. You see yourself as less than that's what they see. When you awaken to, to, to realize who you are, then they see that too. So one, one last story. So I had this client, she left and moved across the country, Stacy, for a hundred thousand dollar pay cut. I was like, what are, what? Anyway, whatever. So she moves across country, took a hundred thousand dollar pay cut. And then once we clean her up and she remembered who she was, an executive was walking by her desk one day. He stopped and turned around and was like, how did you get here? We didn't position you properly. Instantly gave her a $90,000 raise on the spot. Like this is like two weeks after she remembered who she was. And then he was like, I want you to accompany me to the meetings. And then she started to take his place and they're grooming her. So she's been promoted twice. In that organization, they were just walking by. It was just like this. How did you get here? But, you know, three, four months before that, she was right where she believed she should be. Once she came to herself, somebody just walked by. They was like, how did you get here? We didn't do this right. We didn't hire you. We didn't put you in the right job. And they placed her where she should be. Now, as you're talking, I am hearing the word magic, like, you know, just flashing in my, and I, and you talked about how part of your process is the law of attraction. Can you share with us some of your own magic? I mean, this is these, that's what these stories are, but I, I'm a personal believer that we create our magic, that that's when we get into the right energetic frequency, then that's when these things that seemingly from the outside, you're like, what? That's, that wouldn't happen to me. That's just magic. That's just weird. Right. But I want to hear what you say how you use that so you know the law of attraction works whether or not we know it works the law of attraction is stronger than the law of gravity it's it's what wealthy people live by it's 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 a lifestyle and we don't we don't know it we don't understand it we think it's foo-foo but we're miserable and so once i started to understand it was one the the day that i forgave when i talked about forgiving my boss um i didn't tell you that i was actually talking to a person just before we got on the call but I left, you know, rejected and feeling some type of way. And I took a couple months off and I was sitting in the park in DC and the wind was blowing through my hair and I was eating a croissant and drinking coffee. Just got the phone with one of my mentees. And I was like, I hung up and I started laughing. I was like, oh my God, I don't have that life anymore. But, and then I realized in that moment that 
for two years before that, I said, when I retire, I want to eat a croissant on the bench in the middle of the day and drink coffee and not worry about my job. I said it again and again and again and again. And in that moment, I realized I got exactly what I wanted. Does that make sense? And I was like, oh my God. So now I have to like think about how I created it. And so I forgave my boss in that moment for running me out of my job. It took another Mm -hmm. six months to like really forgive him. And then on Mm -hmm. the anniversary date of of my resignation, I sent him an edible arrangement. I think he think I poisoned it or something. So they didn't eat it, but they were so confused, but I wasn't angry anymore. And so once I started to understand, I created that unconsciously. Now, what, what can I create consciously? So Earl Nightingale says, you become what you think about most of the time. The problem is we always think about what we don't want and we never mm-hmm. turn our attentions to what we do want. It's like walking into Chick-fil-A and saying, I want chicken is like you're in Chick-fil-A or walking into Chick-fil-A talking about the last time you had McDonald's, it turned your stomach. Well, it's like, you're, you're, what do you want? What do you want to order? And not a job, Stacey, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, we're only focused yeah. on our job. We're not focused on our life. So that's the part of it, but it's, is that part. And then Emerson's law of compensation kicks in and, and law of compensation is we cannot have worked for the past five, 10 years. And, and and store up all of this value and not have it paid out at some point. So we don't even expect to get raises, but we go to work expecting to work three times as hard to make half the pay. If you say that, you're getting what you say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So once, once we start to do the work to figure out what are you really thinking, what are you really saying, now you got to start to, to discipline your language and discipline your thoughts. It opens it up for the law of attraction and all the things that are out there waiting to be able to come. It's a little magic, but kind of, but not really, but kind of, but not really. Yeah, exactly. You know, I as you were talking about forgiveness, I, I had a recent story where I did an active, like what I called hook removal, actually what yeah. my coach called hook, hook removal. And it was just basically like, just like cut that, cut that connection, yeah. whatever that is, whatever that is. And in... I had a dream later that night, and this is how I knew I was on the right path. So somebody who had um, sued me 10, 15 years prior, the whole dream was about me getting him a promotion. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I can help you. I know how to help you. I'll get you a promotion. And there was no attachment. It was like, I was like, oh, wow, this is working. Cut, you know, but it's so important that we forgive, that we, we ask for what we want, that we're putting ourselves in the right direction. We're ordering the right things. Um, Speaking of that, I wanted to talk to you about this uh, way back at the beginning of the conversation, you were talking about the civil rights suit lawsuit or whatever for this toxic boss that you had. And I have had some of my clients, particularly the black women that become the DEI initiative for the entire organization, right? As that black woman, they're responsible for changing the culture. And so when you said that, what kind of came to mind is not not they're not willing to deal with this toxic man they want you as a black woman to make it a civil rights and i see that as being like a turning point for you to say no right mm-hmm. this a guy is toxic right this yeah. is a problem and they, knew it. and they knew it right right so don't so, yeah so i wanted to talk a little bit about making it about you like yeah. as a black woman and, and you know just because this comes up for my clients a lot you know the thing about um you know, uh, DEI. And I, I had a client that, you know, I led a DEI committee 
and 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 I had secret backroom meetings with the senior leaderships to talk about, you know, DEI. And we did all these things. And I was and I didn't that was that was extra. That wasn't my job. Right. And, but it took away from my primary responsibility. So I'm being marked on my job or being looked yep. at sideways because I'm having a conversation that they don't want to have. That's not important because if they had it and if, if it was important, then they would hire somebody to do it full time and not be asking for volunteers. Yes. So um, they had just hired a diversity uh, chief of diversity or uh, it was called like it was it was something. It was a one star. They just created this diversity position. I called him. I knew all the senior leaders in the Coast Guard. I was a senior leader. I'm known by a lot of people. Does that make sense? And I called him. I called everybody. And I was like, I, I had a reputation. He had a reputation. I had a reputation. And I'm going to tell you something. What I learned. I'm going to say it. White men who want to be promoted. It's going to be hard to get them to pick up the mantle to fight for a woman or a diversity issue because they have to go against like the grain. They ain't going to do that. So when they all turned on me, I was like, what? <laughs> he harassing you too? No, because they wanted to be promoted. So it's hard to like come into, it's a mostly white male dominated organization. Right. Picking up the mantle for one black woman is like, what are we going to look like if, if we go fight for her? It didn't happen. Right. And I'm not saying that it won't happen. I'm just saying it's going to be hard pressed to happen. So they were like, set, you know, create a complaint. I'm like, no, I'm not filing a complaint because I already know our civil rights process doesn't work. I worked on Capitol Hill for three years on the oversight committee of my organization. I saw behind the Oz curtain that the civil rights process doesn't work. So y'all want me to knowingly just jump down in a hole and start to fight. I quit. I don't want to fight anymore. I've been fighting for freaking 16 years. Like I just, I just want peace. I want to go to work and not be harassed. I want to go to work and just do my DAM job. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. What I'm but, but the thing about it, Stacy, is I stayed too long and I'm not, not, I love my job. I don't have any regrets. I love our mission. I love what we did. I love the people who work with me. I love the people who work for me. You know, phenomenal leader. I was iconic. Let's be clear. And so, um, but I stayed too long where I expected to be disrespected. That's not a fair place to live in. I expected to go to work to fight every day. I expected for somebody to say something sideways to me as a black woman. I expected for people, a white male to pass me and not salute me because I'm higher ranking. And they just look at me like I'm crazy. Like I don't have to, I don't have to salute the white one, the black woman, but I'm going to salute all the white men because that's, that's in the books. You're supposed to salute me, but 40, the higher I've got in rank, the less, um, and it's not that many, it was 50 black women offices out of 47,000 people, right? So we're 0.1%. So the higher I got in rank, the more disrespected I was. And so I'm, I am eating rage every day. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that's not fair for us to think that we have to live like that. And then the reason why black women are passionate about it is that we're trying to go save other people from what we experienced. But, yeah. you know, if you look at, you know, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm looking at these RIPs for all these DEI women. I'm like, sis, you got to let it go. Right. You know, 10 years now on the other side of the organization, I can see the stuff that I did for DEI, the results of it, which is nothing. And then I can see the results of the direct mentorship that I gave to 
black officers, that has paid more dividends. So the coaching mm-hmm. and the mentorship pay more dividends than trying to stand on uh, a, a higher platform and then beat the drum. Yeah. So how do you coach your women now to do just that? I tell them not to volunteer for DEI uh, projects yeah. at all, ever. No, one, of I them totally volu- agree. one of them was doing a DEI project. And so they ended up marking her. Let's say if you they mark on a scale of one, one to five. She had been getting a four every year. The year she volunteered for DEI, she got a three. And so I told her to quit because because you, you're going into them arguing, but that's not your job. And, right. But it's important. So she quit. And then they call and they've been begging her to get back on that committee. And I, and I, and she feels guilty because they're guilting her into it. And all the black people want her to do it. And I'm like, but remember, you have a quantifiable data point to prove why you should not do it. And so, yeah, no. How about that? No. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I just had a, a client who went on a three-day DEI conference. Her white boss wants a full report, wants her to tell her because he really cares a lot about diversity. And I was like, if he cared about it, he should have been at that conference. And I said, give him a book. He can figure this out, right? Like he's not caring. He's just trying to put you in more work. Well, I mean, it isn't going to help. It, it looks good. And we become somebody else's busy work. And that's insane. Because right, you're right. she's and doing not- the work for him. Yeah. Ain't you crazy? Yeah. 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 Crazy. So then, any so surprise. I, I talk all the trash I won't do. I, I was I crazy. It. I was broken. Uh, I burned out. I, I volunteered for everything. Everything that I'm talking about and I'm quote unquote judging. I did it. And that was 15 right. years ago. Something has to right, change. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're making the change. You're yeah. doing the change, right? It's so good. What um, kind of surprises have you come up against along the way since you wrote your five books and so on and so on? Um, I, I would say in this day and age, the reluctance for women to want to change. Women are terrified to change. That is shocking to me. It actually yeah. Me yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I talk to women who want a better job and then I'm like, but you can have a better life too. And now they don't want to work with me because I'm trying to, because that's too much, Stacey. Mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. promising them a better life is less believable than me just talking about this raggedy job. And, and it's, it's unbelievable to me because these women are who I used to be. They're, they're stressed out and they're overwhelmed and they don't spend time with their families and they're sick. And I'm just... And in my head, I'm like, why don't you want to change that? Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, if you haven't done any work on yourself since 2020, and let's be clear, we were crazy long before 2020 came. So 2020, 2021 is like, we're in normalized chaos now and it's not slowing down. (laughs) No, you know what I was just thinking about when you said that is I think um, for, and and for myself included that the change equals the three years on the couch that you're talking about. And then I love the work that you do with women because you're bridging that gap from the three years on the couch. Okay. Why did that happen? Right. Mm -hmm. You didn't have resources. You didn't know where, how to get out of it. You have translated that in two weeks. Right. And and for me, honestly, you know, I spent a long time worried about that couch that I'd be on for three years. And when that person looked me in the eye and said, you are acting like a teenage daughter, I actually said the words never again. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. And in that day, I changed. 
right? Yep. I was like, nope, I'm not. And then I just sort of like the next couple of years, I was like, am I acting like a brat? Am yep. I acting entitled? Am I judging for no reason? Right. And yep. then I changed, right? I didn't have to spend three years on the couch, right? I got to see it for what it was, but we're avoiding that thing that we think is going to happen to us where we're just going to fall apart and lose everything. And the truth is we have everything to gain. It's all everything. right there. We, we already are like, if I'm talking to a woman who's making 125,000, I'm like, you know, we should triple your salary easy. You know, it's, mm-hmm. she's already worth 375. She just doesn't see it because yeah. she's doing too much because she's right. saying yes too much because she's tired because she doesn't work out because she doesn't meditate because mm-hmm. she doesn't take care of herself because she's not, you know, uh, filling herself with positive information. So it's, you're already worth 375. And once they awaken to that, Oh, I just, I just back up and be like, all right, let's talk about this negotiation. Let's, let's. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then instead of arguing with me as to whether or not I can get to 375, let's just start there. Right. (laughs) Oh, so good. Christy. I love this so much. So any final words of advice for a woman who's trying to advance in leadership, trying to figure out that next level, we've given so much great advice on here and just wondering if there's any nuggets left inside there. Yeah. I think, you know, the first part is, you know, you got to take care of yourself because when your when your mental health goes, the money follows. <laughs> like we're always chasing the money, thinking that if I got the money, then I can slow down. Stacy, that never happens, right? Like change before life makes you change because people either change through inspiration or they change through desperation. So I hope that mm-hmm. this conversation that we've had today inspires them to change before life makes them change right. because nothing good comes out of desperation. Been there, done that. Don't be like me. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you're worth more than you are aware of, but slowing down and really getting still, you know, going to the Buddhist meditation, you know, paying $200 mm-hmm. is like, it, it doesn't take much to change just the awareness and the desire. And, and I hope that they choose to do that. Yeah. So how can they find you and follow you and learn more about your work? They can get my free insight. I don't want to say free. I would say at no cost because free gives me the heebie-jeebies. You can go to changenowwithchristy.com and you can learn how to get a 30% raise without getting another degree. Stop getting a degree. I know. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Or you can text change now to 66866. And, you know, I'm on all of the social media channels. Connect me on LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, all those things. But I just, I just want to create a new conversation in the market, Stacey, with what's possible for women, because we have enough articles to tell us what we can't do and what we shouldn't do. And, you know, planting all these seeds of negativity and fear. I just want to be, uh, you know, a catalyst to be able to change and, and allow women to know that you can't change. You can completely change your life at 40 years old. You can completely change at 35. And for heaven's sake, do it before you're crazy at 55. But we'll take you then, too. So it's like you can change. We just have to have the courage to do so. Yeah, you are that catalyst, Christy, already. (laughs) It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Before you go, I have a question for you. Do you know how close you are to your next promotion? Really? Not what your boss has told you, not what you even believe to be true, but have you actually taken the time to sit down, take an assessment, 
review the five categories that it takes to get promoted into senior executive leadership positions and decided where you fall in each category and given yourself a ranking on a scale of one to 10 of how close you are to getting your next promotion? Have you done this? Well, now's your chance. If that feels interesting to you and you're like, hey, I want to know exactly how close I might actually be or how far away you might be and what it's going to take to get you even closer, then I invite you to take my promotability quiz. This is a quiz that I put together with practical tips that actually tell you where you're lacking and where you're winning. What are the areas that you actually need to improve and not necessarily what your boss is telling you all the time so that you can take concrete steps towards landing that next promotion and changing the face of the leadership table. Go to yourpromotabilityscore.com to take your free assessment today, yourpromotabilityscore.com, and let me know how it goes.